0: All right, grab your Bibles if you will. We're going to turn to Luke 17. We've started a new chapter. Woo! There we go. So I'm going to be uh, changing things up a little bit here this morning. So I'm going to be reading from a translation called the The Kingdom New Testament. So uh, one of the commentaries that I use by N.T. Wright. Um, so he's basically written so much commentary on the New Testament. He has. Basically already translated his own entire New Testament. So he, they just kind of put it together into one, into one Bible. And I really love the way that he uh, uses the, the, the Greek syntax here. So we're gonna re- I'm going to be reading in the, in the Kingdom Translation. Oh, I should have changed the translation up there. Um, so this is Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 10. Jesus said to his disciples, There are bound to be things that trip, trip people up, but woe betide the person who brings them about. It would be better to have a millstone hung around your neck and be thrown into the sea than to trip up one of these little ones. So watch out for yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he apologizes, forgive him. Even if he sins against you seven times and turns around seven times and says sorry to you, we must forgive him. The apostle said to the master, Oh, give us greater, greater faith. Well, if you had faith, replied the master, as a grain of mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Supposing one of you has a slave plowing or keeping sheep out in the field. When he comes in, what will you say? Come here at once and sit down for a meal? No. Whoop. Yes. Uh Uh-oh. Something happened. We'll fix it later. (laughs) No, you will be far more likely to say, get something ready for me to eat, for me to eat. Get properly dressed and wait on me while I, eat and, while I eat and drink. After that, you can have something to eat and drink yourself. Will you thank the slave because he did what you told him? How and That's how it is with you. When you've done everything, you're told, say this, oh, we're just ordinary slaves. All we've done is what we were supposed to do. Jesus, we pray for your presence here this morning and your blessing on us as we gather. Lord, we pray you for your favor over our technology right now, God, and uh, Lord, help it to be fixed quickly. We just uh, pray for your presence here and open up your word to us as we study. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated while I uh, look at what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Did it... What's that? Oh... Got it. Yeah. Ah, okay. Whoops. Cool. There we go. Ta da. Okay. See. Fix that. So I'm moving away from this. <laughs> <laughs> Sienna did it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened before I wear a dress. <laughs> 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 What happens when you wear a (laughs) dress? That's funny. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, let's try to fix these things here. Oops. See if this works. Oh, no. Oops. Screens. Configure screens. Yeah. You can tell you have a fancy Wi-Fi router when. Okay, what's going on here? I'm just going to shut this down. Quick. Just a moment. Just one more second. It likes to be done in order. <laughs> For it, I have to do this again. We shall see. Yep. There we go. Yay. Uh Oh, just a minute. okay here we go okay (laughs) oh my goodness this is fun times wait for it there we go okay (laughs) so i've titled my sermon here this morning all you need is faith you know, I kept singing this morning in All you need is love. You know, <laughs> well, yeah. and then uh, well, it's more the the Moulin Rouge version. I could have got two, but uh, so this this morning. So there's some very interesting uh, things in this passage here uh, this morning, and. It's basically like, if you know, you know. If you got it, you got it. You know, when Amber and I uh, were, were uh, dating, so we, we met in 2014 in January. And within a couple weeks, we were dating. Then within a couple weeks, we were officially boyfriend and girlfriend on Valentine's Day, which I tried not to do, by the way. So it wouldn't be cheesy. And, and then you know April 30th, uh, sorry, 20th came around. Um... 420 in Seattle um, <clears throat> it was a very interesting day to propose to her <laughs> propose to her and and uh, then by August 2nd we were married and it's funny like i, I say I say all that you know from January 14th to August 2nd and people were like whoa It's like when you know you know when you got it you got it just kidding it was her, it was all her. <laughs> yeah when I knew you I know when I knew I knew when I got it I got it when you have it you have it and that's what we're talking about here this morning with faith is that all you need is faith because when you have faith you either have it or you don't when you know you know when you have faith you have faith there's not higher and lo- lower levels of faith when you've got faith you've got faith and that's Jesus's entire point here in this passage today and that's what that's his whole point point. and so I want to get to that passage here and so here's our main point is that all you need is faith in a big god in order to love grow and forgive everything that he's saying to these people in this passage here can be summed up with that statement all you need is faith in a big god to love grow and forgive so let's kind of break down this passage here this morning as we got so uh, the he compares a couple of different things so he talks about stumbling block and then he also compares it then later down later down um, in, in verses uh, three and four, to, a, to sins against you. So there's stumbling blocks and there's sins. And there's and there two different things. And we're going to talk about that. They're different. Stumbling block is a snare as, as the Old Testament in Psalms defines it. So it's like someone plotting and, and, and uh, it's just nefarious purposes in the relationship to become a stumbling block, to throw themselves at you, Right? There, there is such a, uh, what is, what's in football, they call it a, um, um, what's it called? When the, when the offensive guy, like, goes down and illegal, shoot, it's just, I had it in my brain, like, two seconds ago. No, not targeting. No, it's like an illegal block by the offensive, like, basically where he just kind of ducks down so the guy trips over him. And, don't anyway, I don't remember. it's something. It's, it's 15 yard, or 10 or 15 yards, whatever it is. Anyway, so <laughs> it's someone intentionally becoming a stumbling block. In Dr. Seuss, you know, we talk about you know fish. There's good fish and there's bad fish. You know, and it shows like this one fish kind of bending down over, you know, behind another guy and then the other fish like pushing him over to trip him over. That's called becoming a stumbling block. It's intentionally tripping someone up. Um, in the Aramaic, it means betrayal. That's, a, that's how they translate it from the Greek. To abandon faith is what he's ta- talking about here. To abandon your faith. Leading to unbelief. That's a very important difference here. This, this word stumbling block is to lead someone to unbelief. To take them away from Jesus. To abandon their allegiance to Jesus. And so this is a difference between nefarious purposes and this, just being selfish. Like sinning against your brother or sinning against you. Right? Um, as it says here, the, the word says, causes one of these little ones to stumble. Now, the Greek does some kind of, uh, some, some fun comparison and contrasting. So it uses a lot of word thing, wordsmithing here. Um, you know, there are bound to be things that stumble. But if you make one of these little ones stumble, he kind of ties it together. Now, here's what we're not talking about here this morning. I want to make sure that we, we understand this. Because I've seen this a lot in our culture. This is not talking about children. This is not talking about nefarious you know, sins that, were, that are cast against children. This is not talking about people molesting children. This is not talking about people who abuse children. This is not talking about children in the slightest. This is talking about us. It's talking about specifically the disciples that were following him. The crowds of people that were following He's He said what? He turned to and said to his disciples, his 12, about the people that were following him. People that were young in their faith. Jesus always has these words about those who are, you know, who are young in the faith. Little children, beloved, right? Paul even continues that same mentality when he's talking about the believers in the church. Young Christians he called little ones. children, My children, I wanted to treat you gently as little children, right? And so this is how he's, how he's bringing this in. So this is not talking about children and this is not talking about sin in general. Stumbling block is not simply, in their context, talking about sin. It is a sin what they're wanting to happen. They're wanting to pull these people away from Jesus and belief and faith and allegiance to Jesus. Right? That's the whole purpose. That, and that in and of itself is a sin. But it's not talking about sin in general. That gets to, we get to that later. He's talking about new disciples who are following Jesus, those who are young in their faith, Basically what Jesus is saying, it's better to suffer a horrific physical death than the divine consequences of derailing someone else's faith. But here's the other other thing that's, that's different. He's not talking to the disciples about them causing someone else to stumble. He's talking about the Pharisees. He's talking about those who would trip up any of them, the disciples, or the other disciples' following. The apostles actually he shifts his language here. He talks about very first, verse one. Jesus said to his disciples, and then in verse five it says the the, the apostles said to the master. He's referring then now to the twelve. Is their response right? We'll get to that in just a second. But basically, what Jesus is saying is that Jesus hates stumbling blocks because it shipwrecks people's faith. It leads them to destruction or perishing like he says for God so loved the world in this way he gave his one and only son so that everyone who places their faith in him that's what the word means will not perish destroyed but have eternal life that's why he says watch out for yourselves don't be led astray that's why he says be watchful not watch what you do He says, watch out for yourselves that you be led astray, that you be stumbled by by the Pharisees, by those who nefariously would send one Pharisee behind you and one Pharisee push you and trip you up, push you over. Basically, Jesus is saying, don't be a pushover. Just kidding. (laughs) But he's not saying, don't be the stumbling block. He's saying, stay faithful. Don't let your faith get sidetracked. Don't let other people trip you up and stumble and lose lose your faith. Lose your your way. Lose your eyesight. But unfortunately, Judas didn't take heed. Judas's faith was shipwrecked. And we lost one of the disciples because he allowed his faith to get stumbled. Because when you forgive, as he's saying here, you're making yourself their servant, not their master. So as we come into this next portion here, this is the main part we're getting at, is, is, this, is now we're getting to the sin against one another. He's saying, don't let people shipwreck your faith, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if, you're, if he apologizes, forgive him. This is the way in Jesus, which we, in which Jesus is saying, this is how we help one another maintain our faith. If you start to see one of your brothers, why he said, "Watch out for yourselves, lest you be led astray." If you see your brother being led astray, go after him, rebuke him, say, "No, no, 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 no." They smell funny. Don't do that no this is not the way this is not jesus come back to your faith love jesus love his people love his church rebuke them and if he apologizes forgive him and this is now where we're talking about things more in general if he sins against you seven times and turns around seven times and says sorry to you you must forgive him because it's talking it says He's wanting reconciliation so that there is joy, so that there is peace in the people of God. It's becoming a servant to one another. Even if we have to rebuke one another, it's not, we don't become judges in other people's, in, our, in each other's lives. And here we hit upon the number one reason why most people say that they leave, have left the church never to return. They felt judged. When they rebuked them, it wasn't to become their servant, but it was because they were putting themselves in the position of the master. This is when when they're forgiving, they were having this chip on their shoulder, saying, I might bestow my forgiveness upon thee, dirty rat. If you do such and such right, and do such and such, and meet my expectations for what reconciliation looks like. Versus if we switch that and flip it on its head. Because that's the way the world does things. That's the way the Pharisees did things. That's the way that the Sadducees did things. That's the way that religious people do things. That is not the way in the people of God. When we discern each other and discern, okay, are you in, is something going on? I feel like you're falling away. I feel like you've given up. I feel like you've gotten burned out. I feel like you are, there's something going on. You're not showing up. What's going on? Not because, why aren't you showing up to church, sinner? But, man, my heart breaks. Are you hurting? Is there something going on in your life? Is your marriage okay? Are your kids okay? Is your job all right? Like, what's going on in your life that you're not showing up for the people of God? What's going on in your life that you're not showing up to worship Jesus? And doing that for one another, out of compassion. I was even thinking about that this morning. Um, As I was vacuuming, just thinking about like, I, I sometimes have a tendency not to call people. So like, if you don't show up for a few weeks, it's not because I, don't, I, don't, I didn't notice or because I don't care. But it's because I don't want to be that, that annoying voice. It's like, why didn't you show up to church, sinner? And I don't want it to come across that way. And so I don't. I don't engage that way, like, a, 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 with a concerning phone call, not because I'm not concerned, but because I don't want to come across as judging you and becoming your master and saying, show up to church and give your money, sinner. You know, I, I want you to understand that God's compassion I, is, is for you. I want to serve. And so this is an area in my life that I'm still not good at, that I'm still trying to learn how to engage in, um, how to, to, to reach out and to say, hey, I've noticed this, but in a way that's like, but I, because I love you, because I care for you, and Jesus loves you, and Jesus cares for you, not because of this religious expectation type thing. Uh, so wanting to do that well. Um, but, here, but in our mentality with, with, with relationships, this is where relationships can get messy, is in judgment and rebuking and, and coming down on one another and how we approach people in sin, how we approach people. And a friend of mine just had to go and do a, a, a rebuking, <laughs> a church discipline um, of, of a person in his, in his church. And those are never fun, <laughs> right? But I loved his attitude because it was all about how do we restore you? How do we show you God's love? How do we show that God has set you free from all that? God has set you free from the junk. God has set you free from the garbage. Stop going back to the garbage. Stop, like a dog, going back to its vomit. Cut it out. You left that stuff. Leave it. Leave the junk. And be reconciled. This is what forgiveness is all about. It's becoming another person's servant not their master. I love that N.T. 2 Wright has a description of it this way. He says, it shouldn't be, um, oh, yes, I misdid this. It shouldn't be restraining anger for a longer and longer time. Like someone trying to hold their breath underwater for 10 seconds, then for 20, then for 30, and so on. If that's what it's like, you've missed the meaning altogether. The point is that you're not scoring moral points at all. You are to be humble, to take no advantage of the situation, to give to the other person the generous and welcoming forgiveness that God has shown you in the first place. That, after all, is the real source of humility. If in doubt, focus on God's grace. How do those those disciples respond to this invitation by Jesus? (laughs) Well, I need more faith then, Lord. Man, I'll tell you what, increase my faith, increase this, increase that. I need more faith. They think that they need more trust, more gumption of will. Give me more faith to conjure this up. As though their faith is lacking. As though it's their faith that's insufficient. But you don't need more faith. Let me say that again. You don't need more faith. You don't need to increase your faith. That's not God's heart. Even if you have a little bit of faith. A little bit. No, he's not saying, like, you know, you need to conjure up that much faith. I think most of us, most of us would say, I've got pretty great faith. I've got faith in Jesus. I believe that he can heal. I believe that he can do this. I believe he can do that. I believe that he can do great things. I can believe that he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. He and there's the difference. It's not that we increase the amount of our faith, but we increase our vision in our faith in a big God. You just need to have that faith. And God's, God needs to get bigger in your, in your, in your sight. That's why we have to have faith in a big God, that he is able and capable of doing anything that he wants. He created the world and everything in it. He created you just as you are. He loves you just as you are. He is not crushed or or angered or depressed by you or your sin or or your anxieties. He's not worried. He can do anything. And he chose to love you. And so it's not our faith that needs to get bigger. It's our vision of God that needs to get bigger. The object of our faith needs to grow in our minds. We need to see the true nature and character of God. There's a couple, you know, cliche statements that are, but that can be truly powerful. If God calls you to it, he will lead you through it. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called, right? These are great statements that came out of great purposes. And, and we need to not let them get, get put into the cliche drawer. Let's, let's pull them out and kind of dust them off of all the baggage, right? And look at what they are. If God calls you to it, if God says, this is what I want, he's the one that will accomplish it. He's the one that will lead you and guide you. You don't have to like go on ahead of God and, and like, all right, God, let's go. Come are you, gonna, are you coming? Are you coming? You, you coming? Well, I'm going. So are you coming? you going to be with me? It's cool. Yeah. Versus the position of God, where are you going? You're going that way? Cool. I'll go with you. Oh, you're going that way. Okay. I'm going to go this way. Because wherever you are is where I want to be. Wherever you're directing me, wherever your assignment is for me, Whatever you have me praying into or not praying into, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you because you are leading me. God doesn't equip the call. He call, he, I'm sorry, he doesn't call the equipped. He equips the call. This is why he called Moses. Think about that. A <laughs> guy who murdered a dude, went out and has been a, a desert rat for 40 years, and is now and like he stumbles and stutters probably because he doesn't speak speak much because he's a desert rat doesn't get to talk to many, many people, I'm talking to a sheep mostly, which I could definitely see you doing. <laughs> um, but just this, this that God calls who He will who He who He desires to, because it's Him that accomplishes the work. It's Him. We've heard this, I've heard this phrase called God dreams. Do you have God dreams? Not like, do you have dreams that you hope God will fulfill? But do you have things in that, are, that have been placed in your mind, in your, in your heart, that are bigger than you could ever dare to accomplish or imagine even thinking about com- accomplishing? If it's way bigger than you can accomplish, it's probably God. We usually tend to, 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 to envision things that we can accomplish that are, that are doable. Doable. But if it's way beyond our capacity to ever dare to imagine fulfilling or doing, it's probably God. And the only way that, God, that it will be accomplished is if God does it. Those are the kinds of things I'm talking about. If God, it, it is God who empowers. It is God who gives the assignments, knowing his power to accomplish the works. All we have to do is have the faith to follow and to say yes. To say yes. should have done that song this morning. We say yes, and we won't regret it. We're in your presence. Maybe I'll switch to the last song. We'll do it. We'll switch the i I'll come back there and switch it. (laughs) All we have to do is say yes to God. What does that mean to say yes to God? What does it mean to say yes? It might sound easy. Oh, God, I say yes. Well, what, to what? How do we understand his desire? How do we understand and know? Well, first and foremost, we've got to spend time with him. Do you spend time with the Lord? Do you have a weekly regime or, or regimen? Not regime. Regimen. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. That would... Heavenly armies? I'm cool with that. Right. Do you have a weekly regime that you <laughs> that you partake in? Do you have a, a weekly, daily regimen that you partake in that you spend time in His presence? Do you do you open up His Word and and feast on the goodness that's in here? Just going to the Psalms, going to the Gospels, going to Revelation, you know, because it says you'll be blessed if you read it. Maybe freaked out, but also blessed. But are you? picking up his word are you picking up other authors are you gathering together with other believers throughout the week for encouragement are you how, what is what is your spiritual what is what is how is the way that you're actually engaging in a relationship with, to with God to where you can hear that which God wants to you to say yes to do you have a place where you have in your life that you are able to say yes if he speaks when he speaks. How he wants you to grow and mature. What he wants you to do. Who is someone that you want to, he wants you to share the gospel with? To spend time with? Maybe a scripture passage he wants you to go and read. What is an area of your life that he wants you to grow in? We have to spend time with the Lord for us to be able to say yes when he says, when he speaks. We say Yes. And we won't regret it. Because this is what our our faith is about, is is engaging, is is growing, is maturing. And uh, Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What he's basically saying is I'm leaving, and so basically your growth and maturity is on your own now. Now, but take this seriously. Don't just do this flippantly. So like fear is awe, like trembling is this reverence. So awe and reverence um, in God's presence. So, and working out your own salvation means figure it out, is what he's saying. Like figure out what this salvation means. How do you live out this salvation, not work to earn your salvation or accomplish your own salvation? Um, Figure it out uh, with awe and reverence. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work, to figure it out. According to his good purpose, do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in target in the world, by holding firm to the word of life. <laughs> well, tarje <laughs> work out. This means to, to cultivate, to forge. You know, I love watching the, the, the TV show Forged in Fire, right? You, guy with the sword, you know, making all these different historical things, or right? every, every time they like give like four people, you know, a block of something or like, you know, lawn equipment that they have to, or a car, you know, they have to figure out how to make a knife out of a piece of a car, or, <laughs> or golf clubs or something. It's awesome. But they, there's a competition to forge these knives, and they shove the metal into this forge, and it melts it you know, to, to 700 degrees, and it's dangerous. It's super hot, and it'll hurt you. But it's not quite ready yet. It's hard. If you hit it, with, hit it with a hammer, it'll explode and hurt everyone. But if you keep it in there, and it gets up to like 2,000 degrees, it's glowing red. The only safe place is then on the anvil for this piece of, of globbed stuff. And even then, you just got to let it sit there for a second. And then you let the hammer do the work. This forging of our lives. Sometimes we're, we're, in, a, we're, in, a, we're in, the, in the fire of life's trials, but we're not quite malleable yet. The only thing that can happen is that we hurt others because we're hot, but we're not yet malleable. But if we stay in the fire, stay in the, in the trial, stay in the difficulty, see it through, then the Lord can use that as a situation where burning hot for him to mold and to shape us, to shape our lives, to form us, to forge us into what he desires, for us to be malleable, to be mature, to grow in our faith, to stick it through. To, this word means to, to fashion, to form. This is the cultivation and formation of maturity in a person's life. You know, 1710, <clears throat> this, is what he said, this is how it is with you, right? Talking about all these things about this, this servant and, and all these things we're getting into. Um, the slave, you know, are you going to say to him, come and eat with me? No, you're going to say like, hey, come, feed me meal, get dressed, you know, and then you'll eat later, Right? So this is how it is with you. When you've done everything, you're told, say this, so well, it's just our ordinary we're just ordinary slaves, servants, do lots. We're supposed to do. When you've done all that you were commanded, you say, We are unworthy servants, we've only done our duty. <clears throat> this is what Jesus is saying. You never put God in your debt. This is humility doing and accomplishing all the things that God has worked for us to do, to grow in maturity and to grow into our faith, to grow into our our, our shoes, right? This is our, this is what God desires of us. It's not that we're doing him him a solid, you know, expecting a giant reward, like, look at all the things that I did. We want to just simply walk faithfully. Walk faithfully. We have bonded ourselves to Christ. We have bound ourselves to his service. Not that he needs us to do anything. For he gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, right? But he wants us to enjoy him. That's our work. He doesn't even, he doesn't even need us to glorify him. He has glorified him in, in, in himself by his creation by our very existence he is glorified because he is God what he wants is for us to enjoy him and that glorifies him because he designed us and made us and formed us and fashioned us to glorify him to enjoy him to have relationship with him to love him and be loved by him that is our purpose Humility is not self-abasement and self-flagellation. Oh, I'm so terrible. I'm such a dirty sinner. I'm not worthy. I'm a worm. That's not humility, guys. In fact, I can actually imagine God stepping out of heaven and saying, how dare you call my beloved trash? You are beloved. You are mine, and I love you don't ever say those words over yourself again. Don't ever speak those words over my son, over my daughter again. That is humility. Walking in our true identity, that is humility. Again, we don't forgive others to put them into our debt. Forgiveness is what we do because it's who we are. It comes out of who we are. It comes out of a heart that's been forgiven. And so we we've overflow with forgiveness, not because it's fun or easy, but because who we are. And if we don't do it, we're not acting who we are. And life is going to be terrible. Living in that bitterness, living in that frustration, living in that mm, frustration grows sour in us. And we forget who we are. We forget that we're beloved. Because we forget that someone else is beloved. We forget that someone else is forgiven. Forgive. Why was Paul so confident in all of this? We are able to walk, you know, who are faultless in a a crooked generation. How are we, we can walk, we can do all these things without grumbling so that we may be blameless and pure children of God. How is he so... Confident that we could walk in this, that we could do this. Why was he writing these things to the brothers and sisters at Philippi? How? Because they were given a vision of Christ. Let's look at this. Philippians chapter 2 says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affliction, I'm sorry, affection and mercy make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. And here's kind of an early church hymn that they probably sung this. Jesus Christ, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something, th- something to be exploited or grasped or held onto. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when we, he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God exalted him, highly exalted him, and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. When we doubt our, our worth, we focus on the object When we forget the worth of someone else and we're tempted to harbor bitterness and resentment, we focus on the object of their faith as well. We focus on their worth by seeing a vision of who gave them their worth. The object of our faith, Jesus Christ. Because remember, all you need is faith in what? a big God, a big God to love, grow, and forgive. This is how we walk through our lives. This is how we walk in that confidence, in our faith. This is how we can love and forgive others is by focusing and then we're, and then going all the way back to the very beginning. We will never stumble. We will never lose our faith. When we keep the object of our faith, Jesus Christ, as the, as the focus of our trajectory, the focus of our destiny, the focus of our affection, we'll never stumble. Because even if we do, He, will lift, he lifts us up. He is the one that sustains us. Keep going. Focus. because you don't need much faith. Your faith is faith. If you got it, you got it. When you made that decision to follow Jesus and to to pledge your full allegiance to him and his glory, you got it. That was faith. That's all the faith you need. That's what he's saying to them here. Mustard seed, that's what we got. It was given, it was planted, it's going to grow. And watch it grow planted this in you. For many of us, it could be just a few years ago, a few months ago. For others, it could be years and decades that you've been walking with Jesus and now your faith is a giant mustard seed bush. Now go and plant those seeds of faith. Plant those seeds of faith around you. Watch as your faith spreads into other disciples as we make disciples. Because God is big God. And he loves his kids. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we pray your blessing on our faith. That you would be, you're the one that waters it. You're the one that cultivates it. And Lord, I I pray that you would uh, implant within us each just a love for you, a love for others, and a desire to grow, a desire to see you grow our faith, to grow um, your... (laughs) A vision of you in our hearts and our spirits, God. Show us more of your glory. Show us more of your, your power. Show us more of your presence every day that we may walk in that faith and see you do incredible things all around us, through us, in us, amongst us, God. We pray that your presence would be made manifest here in your church, as we submit to you, God. Lead us. We love you, Lord Jesus. I pray all these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.